Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, podcast where a toxic, what's a, what's a better word than, I always use toxic at the start. Dickhead. Dickhead. Oh, that's the, you, you oh. really do live in the Central Coast now, don't you? <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> you said I've the already... C word on the last podcast <laughs> and now. I couldn't believe that slip. I did tell you how my dad was telling me like, you sound more bogan since you moved up here. I think I you like, do. Do I, I actually? Shit. I think you do, yeah. Someone get me back to Sydney. I haven't been to Sydney in like three months now. Or maybe less, yeah, well, but still. It's, it's showing. All those uh, <laughs> C-word slips. and <laughs> I mean, dickhead's not even that bad. But Now I'm going to have a child and call him Tyrone or Daryl or something. Yes, Tyrone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no offense it's if your name is Tyrone. Name. <laughs> um, oh, no. Caden. Jaden, yeah. anything with yeah. like that kind of cadence. A den on the end. Yeah, yeah. Aiden, uh. Aiden's not that bad. Aiden doesn't sound very bogan to me. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. It sounds a bit classy. Aiden. All the female bogan names are always like Shanae and yeah, um, yeah, Shania. Yes, <laughs> truth. Yeah, well. Truth. Is that oh an shit! Name? I didn't say st- no. I meant like truth. Like you're saying, you're speaking the yeah. truth. <laughs> You've dropped another swear word already. Look at you go! Oh my gosh! So I got a dickhead comedian with a bogan uh, relationship <laughs> therapist because <laughs> she moved to the coast like three months ago. <laughs> oh no! I'm just waiting for you to get the Southern Cross tattoo. Oh, I have been thinking about tattoos as well, but um, since my last one, I think I should ban myself. So, what was um, your last one? A pigeon. I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it's not even my worst. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what else. And the sad thing is there's not many pigeons up here. Um, I was talking about that yesterday to a lot of people, which no one seems to be that interested in, but there's not, yeah, there's just not many pigeons here. It's quite sad. I can't imagine that's a major concern for people. (laughs) Living coast. in Gosford. Bring back. I'm not in Gosford, okay? I'm well out of Gosford area. Oh, it's all the same. <laughs> I'm a solid like 27 minutes. Uh, no, nah. uh, but yeah, I I would like some more pigeons up here. We just have um, we have nothing. There's no bin Gos- chickens either. Hashtag more pigeons in Gosford. <laughs> okay, we can just okay. We'll go with Gosford then. <laughs> sure. Eliza lives in Gosford. Everyone, <laughs> I'm gonna make that very clear. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. Right. But yeah, how are you going? I'm um, pretty good, yeah. Uh, well, lockdown should be over in about a month. Um, so yes. starting to plan the show coming back now. So, What are you most excited fun. for post-lockdown? Just being able to perform. Being able to perform. And, and you know what? Being able to just see my mates that I perform with. Daniel. I haven't seen Daniel for months. I haven't seen uh anthony max max is the guy who um if you watch those clips i do on on tiktok and instagram he's the guy with the mic at the start always saying you know things you can say here but not here oh yeah. yeah yeah so uh i'm missing them shout uh, out if they're listening i don't think they listen to this one but <laughs> Probably not. if they are shout out boys um who's the one um i've seen you with and he's like a redhead and he's on tiktok and he does like the will yeah, I like it. He's so funny. He's a, he, how is he so accurate every single <laughs> every single day? He posts a video and and you're like, wait, how are you so accurate? <laughs> he's great. Yeah, he's really talented. Um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Will Gibb. 
uh, check him out on on the talk. If we have, how any, old is uh, he? Um, I think he's like twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, because I think he's like his memories of high school are so fresh and prevalent. He must be young. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's what happens. I think for like the five years out of high school, you just are still living in that world psychologically. Whoever you, do, you were you in do, high school, yeah. I think you sort of internalize that, and then yeah, and then you get to your mid twenties, and you and you and you start to change, and your friend yeah. group starts to gravitate more towards people you work with and people with common interests, and you probably have a partner. Um, you spend more time with them, less time with the with the boys, but not always. Yeah, I remember like being 21 and thinking I'm so sick of everyone saying I'm so young and like I have my whole life ahead of me. I know what I want, blah, blah. And then I hit like 25 and I was like, mm, let's see. And now I'm 27 almost in like just over a month. So Ooh, happy, it escapes you. Well, happy so birthday far. for October. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll speak between now and then. It's like six weeks away. Probably. <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll they, see. If there's a new digital COVID variant that transfers through <laughs> yeah. Zoom somehow. Well, actually, this kind of is relevant to our podcast topic. So, Yes, yeah. good, good, uh, good segue. So mm-hmm. we're actually going to finally cover the question that I said we were going to cover in the last topic, in the last this podcast. This poor guy I, has probably like forgot about us. <laughs> He's stopped listening weeks ago. I keep ago. doing that. I keep giving everyone an anticlimax. Like, all right, we could, I'll do that in the Neil and Jordan podcast as well. All right, we're going to answer a question in this podcast. And then like half the time, I never do. <laughs> so, apologies. Just get so caught up in the in the conversation. So, we should do like a you have to pay an extra twenty dollars if you want to have it like priority <laughs> listed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Sure, sure. An extra, yeah. Make it a hundred bucks, and then and then yeah, you know, we, to we have to do it. Yeah. Um, so this one comes in from this is this is how he wants to be referred to, Cat Boy. <laughs> That's me. I'm the cat man. What are you talking about? All right. Hi, Neil and Eliza. I'm Cat Boy. Not my real name. Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) Yeah, couldn't tell. (laughs) A 23-year-old guy currently in military training. I would have never thought a guy in military training would uh, be referred to as Cat Boy. Nice. Um, Until last week, I was single, but I've managed to start something with someone else on base through Tinder and we moved to Discord. Ooh. Is that the program? Is that because it used to be um, Tinder and then either Instagram or Snapchat? You know, what's your snap? Yeah. And now I guess it's what's your dis. Oh, he's twenty three. He's not. It's like we talk as though like they're a completely different generation. <laughs> Literally four years younger than me. Um, but yeah, Discord. There you go. I don't know anyone that uses Discord aside from myself for like two weeks once, but I got kept getting weird messages. Well, there's actually a Discord for this podcast, but I don't think anyone uses it. I don't use it. Let's get on it. No, I don't. Uh, there was one for the Neil Jordan one as well. I go on very rarely, but I don't know. I've just never really used Discord. It's more like a community for people who want to talk to each other. Why didn't I know this? I told you, didn't I? It was like last year, so maybe. Okay, well, I want to get it, in on this Discord. It's basically Reddit, isn't it? Oh, you can have specific uh, Reddit threads are public, and then Discord you have to sometimes. And get Reddit's invited. not a chat, really. Yeah, it's not like true, a true, messenger. True. Yeah. 
Well, there you go. He's got he's got Catboy and his girlfriend. Um, or boyfriend. Or boyfriend, yeah. Catboy and his partner's Discord. Yeah. Okay. My topic is one that you've touched on a few times. I finally caved to downloading TikTok and quickly found myself in femboy TikTok. Yeah. My question is, what the hell is going on with <laughs> under 18s populating sections of social media like femboy TikTok? I've seen clips show up that should be considered pornography, then check the account and see an age 15 or um, dot, dot, heart, dot, dot, minor, dot, dot, heart. I don't know what that means. In their bio, mm. uh, how did society get to the point where it's acceptable for 15-year-olds or younger to dress up in miniskirts and crop tops and kink attire and put themselves out literally to gain an online following? I hate victim blaming, but surely at some point somebody should be allowed to. Or needs to say enough is enough. Ooh, strong, strong there. I like that. Uh, sorry for the heavy topic. I mean, I like that he's just saying his opinions, not necessarily. Anyway, it. we'll get into it. All right. Sorry for the heavy topic. On the lighter side, have you got any relationship advice for me? I've never been in any kind of relationship before. And now I'm excited to finally have the ability to be gay. Oh, yes. I Called it. Yep. Bad <laughs> assumption on my part. I just thought military, it, well, there you go, me with my stereotypes. All right. Uh, I'm excited to finally have the ability to be gay and cute with someone. Aww. I love the idea of being the cutesy, energetic waifu in the relationship. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, waifu. I think so. I reckon. I'm not a weeb. Um, finally, thank you, Eliza, and especially Neil. <laughs> oh. Especially Neil. All right. <laughs> your, your podcasts, Neil and Jordan and Sex Sales, got me through many long night shifts at my last dead end job. Unfortunately, my current job doesn't leave me with ready access to the podcast. Oh, well, then you might not actually hear this then. Do we have an email so we can like reach out to him to say we finally. Yes. Yeah, got Yes, okay. we've got an email. Um, well, they, well, all right. Well, first of all, it's probably then once again say. Probably shouldn't have assumed girlfriend there. Uh, there you go. Am I cancelled or what? I think we should. I'll just Can- go solo from now. If you could just yeah. continue uploading. <laughs> Everyone in the military straight, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing. Um, okay, so let. where can we start with this one? Because he's got a few here. Let's start with the TikTok. Oh, that's the TikTok, I mean. okay. Yeah, yeah, because TikTok is very overtly sexual. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, I do get the feeling that every... Uh, well, I, I definitely remember 10, even 15 years ago when uh, I was just a teenager on Facebook and, and MySpace, and I had similar sort of feelings, thinking, wow... Everyone's so sexual on here. They're posting bikini photos. And I didn't know what I was thinking about. I was a child. So someone has just, or society has just implanted those ideas into me. Uh, it, it does seem like it's notably worse now on TikTok. Uh, but again, it could just be a, a product of growing older. So can we first uh, discuss, do you think there's something particularly uh sexual and 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 vehemently sexualizing about the way teenagers today present themselves on social media compared to what they did when we were teenagers which was really not that long ago yes (laughs) definitely i definitely do it's um it is interesting like i guess to compare and it really like when i think about this makes me feel old um and i agree like when i was when i was young like you know 10 12 years ago when i was on the internet i did think that as well like shit like tumblr 
crazy. Um, that was the crazy stuff. But I think the difference is maybe the level of sexualization isn't that different, but the way that we can access it and see it is what's really different. Um, and with the interesting thing about TikTok in particular, it kind of is such an interesting and crazy app when you think about how it is a social media networking site. Um, secondly, you can put yourself out on there and it's like all normalized and you can show any behavior and you can find a community for it. So it's also like a research type thing that people find out information about it. Like people find out about things like PCOS and girls experiences of this and men's experiences of that, that wouldn't have been, you know, when you Google, you have to go through 10 pages to find out, um, what people have been experienced with that. And also it kind of um, brings in a sense of like gambling and addiction and it's so perfectly curated to yourself. So I, what I mean by the gambling is that with TikTok, anyone has a chance to go viral and that any video you upload can go viral, which is a really, really exciting thing. And there's actually research that so shows that the less likely you are to succeed when you like gamble, the more addictive it is. So, you know, you're not that likely to be... Um, go viral but most of the video videos we come across are viral um so it provides this kind of like spike of this could happen to me like this is this is prevalent and this right. is very common it's a lottery yeah so mm. and also it's, it's overrated going viral <laughs> if anyone can say that i can yeah and there is like this mystery to i guess people don't experience that very commonly so like even i thought like what would happen if someone you know goes viral like what crazy things could happen or what happened what would happen if i went viral like i'm sure Nothing all these really. teens are thinking yeah only it's you not, can look, speak to it for, for the short term if you, if one video or one picture or one thing goes viral it's it dramatically transforms your life for a short period of time but Unless you're, uh, plan you've organized yourself to actually become a, a TikTok persona or a YouTuber or an Instagram influencer, well, it'll be very short-lived. It's very ephemeral. Uh, it won't really dramatically affect your life over the long term. You might get addicted to the high of being viral because like with any addiction, it, it would come with a huge dopamine mm. hit. And mm. it's actually quite uh, strange at the start, I'm sure many people here would remember my first big viral video Australian two minutes which is going to come back to bite me one day <laughs> um, and uh, it was really strange I, I couldn't you know it got a million views in a week wow. and that would have been predominantly Australian because it's obviously an Australian video um, based on Australian stereotypes and I didn't leave my house for two days and when I did I People at the train station were doing double takes and looking at me and wow. uh, people were just walking past me and laughing <laughs> and everyone was looking at me. I didn't like it because I'm a pretty introverted guy and it, it mm. felt really strange and it honestly took me two to three years to become accustomed to wow. uh, that kind of attention. It's, it's not what people make it out to be. Look, it's great. I like being known for what I do, but just going viral doesn't mean mm. anything you probably mm. got lucky because there's a lot of things that go viral that aren't necessarily high quality but i can yeah. also obviously i can see the appeal of it and i can see for uh teenagers especially if they might not feel particularly um comfortable in whatever social environment they're in where uh putting themselves out there and and doing things that they maybe otherwise wouldn't normally do 
or they may have some uh, degree of second guessing about I can see how they might be inclined to do that because you know it yeah. gives them the adoration and the maybe even the respect and the popularity that they are so desperately yearning for I think in many ways comedy is very similar a lot of people who do stand-up comedy are people who have been maybe starved of attention or or praise or res- respect and this is a kind of this is a way to become popular um to yeah. get up in front of a g- group of strangers and try and gain their social approval by making them laugh in in in, in a similar vein i um would assume uh people posting videos on on tiktok to re- re- strangers who they don't know in order to um gain that sort of approval would come from some f- form of uh insecurity or uh yearning to be uh popular which i think everyone has we're all yeah social beings but mm. i think it's particularly notable uh for people who are trying yeah. to go viral and yeah, yeah. I, I i could i have that in me as well i wouldn't mm. hide that um yeah, it's I've just never like been it's on, human nature, really. Yeah, I, I've never been on kink, tick, kink attire or fanboy TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I uh, have you been on yes, there? Yes, of course I have. I've gone down some weird rabbit holes, some crazy but, shit. Okay, that you got to admit, like, isn't that kind of strange? Because if if a if a twenty six year old guy was like, yeah, I've been on um, kink TikTok and seen all the fifteen year old girls on there people yeah. would raise eyebrows, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. you can't avoid it. The For mm-hmm. You page is full of girls that I, I could only assume some of them are under 18, dancing mm-hmm. quite provocatively, but it's not like I'm going out searching for that. It's mm-hmm. just these yeah. Chinese developers, I guess, know how to keep people's attention. Yeah. Um, but uh, what is it about that one in particular, Femboy TikTok or whatever, that you think has sort of gained notoriety? Well, I think, first of all, it's worth saying that for people that don't have TikTok and listening to this, that it's totally curated to the way that you um, are engaged in a video. So if you watch a video more than like once, or it can, you know, even track your eye movement, if it sees that you're totally in like enthralled in a video or engaged in it, it's going to show you more videos of the same nature, which is really, really interesting because um, I talked about this before, how I saw on TikTok, um, women who were like 30 or 40 would show their um like their for you pages um which is like the equivalent of the instagram explore page Mm -hmm. um and it would just be all these normal videos and then they created a um profile as a young male so they put their name as a, a boy's name um a younger age like 18 and a picture of a guy up before they had even clicked or viewed or anything all of their videos 15 14 13 year old girls dancing in bikinis and things like that so you literally kind of like yeah it just yeah. it just pops up really from interesting. i remember the first the, when i first opened the account i was like what the hell is this <laughs> like, yeah this is, yeah is this and a then, trap is this an fbi trap what's going on <laughs> well the thing is it does kind of trap you into it because even if you're let's say you're in a committed relationship and you're like i'm actually not and and you know you perceive that as a crossing a boundary you don't want to let's just say hypothetically right and you don't mm-hmm. want to view you know um sexualize women all the time all day every day but the way that it works when it's looking at your engagement in it 
even though you can say, I don't want these videos on my page, I want to just look at videos of cars and fishing. This is a stereotype that I just threw in there, but you know, let's mm. just say. And Same then coast. they pop up one video of, you know, a girl, you can still think, I don't want to, I don't want this on my page, but you're still going to be probably engaged in that video. You're going to be curious about it. You're going to be looking at it, whatever, like you do with any yeah. good looking person that might walk I'll past look. you or whatever. They're good dancers. Yeah, and then video, 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 your whole for you page becomes that. So that hasn't yet happened to me. And to be honest, like when I say like I've been down kink talk, I was always, this is like sounds like an excuse that I really truly was always coming from a place of like, this is, I'm curious about this. Like what mm. is this? And I found it really, really interesting. The first time I did it when was when I was working with, um, I'd worked with one before, but more recently, like last year, I was working with a client who identifies as a furry and I'd done heaps of research on it so that I can, you know, really work with her in the least judgmental way possible um, and to be not shocked by anything she says. When you say identifies yeah. as a furry, what does that mean? Well, the furry community is a type of um, community where basically they... They can be most easily identified by wearing fursuits or like these big like animal, like anime looking characters of, of animals. Um, oh, yeah, and there yeah, is yeah. a lot of like sexualized content that comes alongside the furry community. A fursuit can cost like $5,000. But the thing is, is that only, I, I, I read somewhere that only 30% or something like that of people in the furry community actually wear fursuits. Um, and more of it, it's just like an identity thing. So when I had done all this research into it, basically what I was seeing from like um, surveys and research, because it's kind of a newish community, although I'm sure it's been done in other ways previously. And it's basically like, you know, you can express yourself freely yet anonymously behind a mask or it's a very uh, non-judgmental yeah. zone. But I was really worried about this girl because she was 13 and she was uh. going to communities with adults and she's got a very mature voice and height and and just a person you know she's gone through some shit so she was very like parentified um in how she responded to people and mm. if you had met her there's no way you would think she's 13 not because she dresses up just in her demeanor and what she's like you know gone through it's kind of um aged her a little bit but i was really worried because anyway well my worries came true when i found out she had like a 42 year old boyfriend um, but she'd never give me his name, so I couldn't really do anything about it. Um, but then I was thinking, what could she be um, putting these other people in this community at risk of if they don't know her age? And what if they're having sex? Um, what if she gets pregnant? What if they're having sex without seeing her face because she's Jesus. wearing a furry ma a fur mask or, or whatever it's called? Um, so those are all my worries. And then when I came across a second client that had it, I had TikTok and I... The initial reason I got TikTok is because I know that one of my clients had gone viral for threatening a school, another 13 year old boy to bash him. And, and then his like video went viral. So I was like, I got to find this. So I got TikTok for that. And then, then I started looking at, okay, this girl I've also worked with is in the furry community, found all these videos and I found it really interesting. I found it, it actually helped me a lot to be able to relate to her and understand more of where she's coming from, because there is a lot of stigma and judgment around these communities and then every so often from that my for you page would pop up like maybe like one in 30 40 50 videos is something of that nature and then i go down these rabbit holes like last a couple of weeks ago i had a video um of you know a girl explaining oh no actually 
it didn't pop up for me. I think I was trying, I was trying to explain this to Adrian, what it was. And he was talking, I was talking about age regression and how a lot of people age um, regress that have trauma. And that I see it a lot in my clients, like these boys that are 16, 17. And then they find, you know, um, they work with someone that is really like comforting and nurturing and they've become almost childlike and they want to be held and they want to be rocked and how then I would um, refer them out to get There's massage. Boyfriends, uh, I think that would <laughs> l- act like that too. <laughs> well, in Western Sydney, <laughs> lots of people do. Yeah. Um, yeah. you'd be surprised how common it is. And sometimes the age regression is really, really significant where people want to have, you know, a sippy cup or like, um, a dummy oh. or pacifier. They want to sleep in a cot. They want to have, um, coloring books. And I was talking to Adrian about this and he's like, is this a sexual thing? Like, I don't, I don't get it. And I was going through the TikTok, and there's so many hundreds of thousands of videos of people that will talk about their experience. This is why I do it. You know, I never felt safe as a child. So now that I have, you know, a partner who is um, a safe person for me, it allows me to heal those inner child wounds. It allows me to go back. And in therapy, we do that a lot. Like we, we do encourage people to access, you know, those parts of themselves and try to like heal them. And especially in alternative therapy, you'll be like, okay, visualize a time when you were seven and can go back into that moment what was happening what did it look like what did you feel what were you saying what would you say to yourself now if you saw that seven-year-old in front of you so it's kind of like a more stepping into that um role of, of actually seeing yourself as a child and and healing in some ways so in some cases like 20 to 30 percent of age regression is sexual and and then maybe 70 percent isn't sexual and it's a trauma response and it's a coping mechanism um and it's comfort to them so that's how I go down on these kind of like okay. rabbit holes. And I've seen some really unique um, things, yeah. very interesting things. And femboy is another one, but femboy isn't um, a coping mechanism. It isn't anything like that. It's purely sexual and it's purely like, um, I think, and a lot of people on femboy TikTok are straight. And basically like a really good example of it is, um, and I talked about this to this ages like ago. T- teenage drag basically kind of like guys wearing skirts um and then yeah, or okay. guys in the maid dresses um or guys with kitty cat ears like my pink ones <laughs> and that yeah, look okay, may look okay. really straight um and or look really masculine or things like that so that it kind of is like i'm breaking cultural norms or yeah. whatever where it would probably uh turn a lot of people off is that these are young boys who uh, by all uh, you know, ostensibly are doing this of their own accord, but mm. the it, it can certainly appeal to people who may have immoral intentions. And yeah. I think that's where people get their guard up and even it sounds like Catboy also feels a bit uneasy um, seeing 15-year-olds being overtly sexual uh, on online. Mm. It reminds me a lot of the... T- Tumblr. I don't know if Tumblr is mm. even still a thing, but it, 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 it's it sort of yeah. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the the culture in of, of mm. Tumblr back from you know ten years ago. Tell me if this is do you do you think this is a fair assumption by a a straight man or whatever? But does uh I guess modern feminism, but also just like other uh, progressive cultural communities like the LGBT 
LGBT community. Is there a crossroads here where there is a conflict between what is best for the community, especially young members in the community, versus what are we doing to just go against traditional uh, cultural norms in the sense of, you know, a lot of um, what you could call socially conservative men might say to women, you know, you should dress accordingly and Mm. you should not sexualize yourself Mm. and especially if you're under 18, don't wear miniskirts and to simply go against that, to break stereotypes, no, I'm going to do that because you said I can't do it don't tell me what I can can and cannot do. Yeah. But is there a conflict there with what is actually best for mm. young girls, for example? Are we, is, it, is it just that we want to be contrarians for the sake of pissing men off? Mm. Uh, but does that come at a cost to the mental health of, of young women or in this case, young boys? There's heaps there. And you raised a good point um, in particular to begin with the LGBTI community. And one of the things about this whole, you know, straight boys, like guys that would be considered hot, um, wearing the dresses and skirts and things like that was actually, there was backlash from the LGBTI community being like, you know, people have trans, trans people, um, drag queens, things like that. People that wear, have been misgendered or whatever, have been murdered for wearing dresses when you think I'm a man or I look like a man and wearing a dress, but you get a hot straight guy to do it. And all of a sudden you're all like fangirling over it saying it's the best, it's a revolution. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, this is, it's just, you know, how much of the experience that they've gone through has been so painful and, and detrimental to that community and how much they've fought to be able to be accepted. Then this, you know, 16 year old white straight kid comes in wearing a dress and he's like it's cool now guys we can accept it like you know there is a pro and a con of that like yes we're taking a step forward but why did it have to be because straight people are now on board with it so i can see and that kind of also comes into play with the the youth and the sexual eyes of of the young girls for example like um i see both sides of it like should we be saying don't wear this on the internet don't do this i saw a video um you might have seen it's quite it went viral uh where basically these girls looked about you know 15 16 17 were on a beach um together and then they the video is of this guy i think that he did his own video afterwards in response and he's like 45 married with children and he's also in the military and he went up to them and was like, what you're wearing is really inappropriate. Like, I'm not, I'm here to spend time with my family. Like, I'm not here to just view, have have your bodies in front of me, like porn and things like that. And these girls are responding saying, actually, I'm at a beach. I'm in a bikini. I'm not like topless or anything. Um, And I, I have, I can wear a bikini if I want. I don't have to be subjected to you commenting on my body. Like, so what kind of thing? And there was this huge fight. Obviously, most of the internet, well, most of TikTok um, sided with the women or the girls. But, you know, who knows Mm. what would happen if that was on Facebook where it's majority adult users. Um, But what was interesting about that, though, is the girls then posted a photo of what they were wearing, which I really shouldn't have had to do. But these girls weren't wearing like G-string bikinis or anything. They were just wearing normal bikinis they all had normal bodies like it wasn't like i didn't look at that and think Mm. this is overtly them being sexual but they were being sexualized but that being said 
you know, on, t- on TikTok, they do consciously try to express themselves as, you know, sexy and, and good looking. And it's really normal for adolescents to want to express themselves and develop. They're developing their social identity and they're trying to demonstrate I'm out. I'm sexually outgoing. I'm adventurous. Like I am appealing. Sure. And, and you know, they want to experience that. Yeah. It just seems uh, there's two huge problems uh, that have been growing, say, for the last eight years, right? And one of them mm-hmm. is just the, the mental health of young girls. And a big part mm-hmm. of that is the sort of uh, the objectification they're subjected mm-hmm. to on the internet, but also the pressure to conform to certain beauty standards. And mm-hmm. when there is this mantra of I should be allowed to sexualize myself and, and, and look hot and put myself out there, that is actively uh, contributing to the pressure that a lot of young girls face. I don't think that's something you can avoid. If if you are saying, yeah, you're you know you're you're totally in your own right to post whatever you do want, uh, uh, post whatever you like, and uh, be hot and be sexual, and if you've got it flaunted, how would that affect a 12 year old girl who maybe doesn't have the same looks as the 16 year old who's posting this bikini photo does that not then contribute to that insecurity and then Mm -hmm. I think I think uh, I can't speak for every man here but we almost don't have much well the sexualization is is happening from uh, you know from us but at the same time we think well you're the if you are putting these photos out there, it's a natural response that a straight man is going to see an attractive woman. Now, what he does with that response is different, and I've got to make that very yes, clear, but it yeah. is a very natural response that I see an attractive woman, uh, and I am aroused by that. Uh, now, again, I have to make it very clear, what you then do with that is where the morality should come into question. Um but then if men are sort of it, it's 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 framed in a way that oh it's it's a man's problem it's a man's issue it's a issue of misogyny but coming back to what i said i, I think 10 minutes ago or so that instance that you just talked about where they were on the beach and things like that and, and adults may be saying no maybe you do need to cover up i can see both uh sides of the story there to some degree, right? Not necessarily just that that man's that military man side of the story and the teenage girl side of the story, but sort of extrapolating that and looking at it from a, a societal level. There's one narrative that says, yeah, women should be totally empowered to post whatever they want and and look a certain way, and they should never feel judged for it, especially by men. They should never be subject to any. Uh, uncomfortable behaviors as a result but then there's another uh cause which is hey the the level of mental health uh issues that are affecting young girls and a big part of that is the pressure that they feel uh to look a certain way and to act a certain way is only increasing and it's really damaging them it's suicide rates have just gone up dramatically it's obscene how do you actually contend with those two things? Because to me, it does seem like there is some sort of conflict. Now, I don't know what the solution is. I don't think uh, it's reverting back to what it used to be and saying women do have to cover up and things like that. But 
it, it, like I said previously, it does seem like there is a sort of ideological conflict there between women being entirely sexually empowered, but then also not having, not, uh, having to be subject to, uh, 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 unrealistic beauty standards because it, it just does seem like they do go hand in hand there. Yeah. Do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, yeah. I guess I sort of tiptoed yeah. through that a little bit, but it does. It's, I wonder if, you know, there's just a mentality of, well, if a man tells us to do something, no matter what, whether it's actually good for young girls or not, we're going to say, fuck you to that. And we're going to do it just because they told us not to do it. So when men say, no, women should cover up and they shouldn't sleep around. Well, fuck you. I'm going to do that because don't tell me what I can and cannot do. That's sexist. That's patriarchal. Having said that, does that culture actually help young girls? Because I think that should be the biggest concern for everyone, for society at large. What is actually the best culture to help uh, children and all children, you know, uh, girls, boys, femboys, uh, the LGBT community, what is the best culture and the best norms and the best expected behaviours for everyone, for adults, for men, for women and for teenagers that is going to benefit society at large? That, I think, needs to be addressed more so than just like who who feels liberated and who feels controlled, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot there. There's, you raise a lot of points and I guess I want to start with the sexualization. I know we've kind of talked about this before in old podcasts about the difference of, you know, you can look, you can you can feel your feelings you're feeling. No one's saying you can't look at me and feel mm. aroused. But what I'm saying is you can't look at me, feel aroused, and then feel that you have, um, you know, the right to sexually harass me because I was wearing a bikini. And Absolutely. we, yeah, we're in agreement about this. And this is the thing that people are getting confused about where they're like, well, why do you wear that? And then complain about getting... Um, you know, men looking at you or, or saying these things, blah, blah, blah. I'm not <clears throat> complaining about that. I'm complaining about being sexually harassed. You know, major- majority of people can walk past an attractive person and not sexually harass them. And, you know, speaking as obviously a woman, I can wear whatever. I can wear, you know, I was in Coles wearing a, a literal hoodie, which is like a hoodie from top to knees with garlic bread on it. 10 sizes too big, basically out of my ankles and pajama bottoms on it. And I still get harassed by men. Like it happens no matter what we wear. So I think that is a lot of it is Mm. like, well, fuck it. I'm going to wear what I want then. Like, you know, um, but that being said. Yeah. And I I couldn't agree with you more about the the, the feeling is one thing and the action is very different. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. But with the whole. What is the actual right way? Because you you raise a point, like first being liberated and, and 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 doing you know what is considered to be equal and fair. Like, well, if you can show a nipple, I can show a nipple. Versus what is actually in the best interest of the mental health of our youth? Um, is there's contradictions in everything? There's pros and cons, and the research about it is totally contradictory as well. I was looking at. Um, you know, some studies that show how, first of all, you know, like you already said before, that older youth have such an influence, like 18-year-olds have such an influence over 14-year-olds on the internet, and that 14-year-olds will try to mimic them and do all these things without actually mm. having a comprehensive 
um, understanding of what they're doing. And I remember doing that too. As a 14 year old, me and my friends would walk down the street in these skimpy little outfits and we'd get beeped at all the time by men all yelling out their windows, woof whistling. We thought it was hilarious, thought it was the funniest thing. Then when I was 20, I looked back on that and I was like, that is disgusting. Those are growing men looking at 14, 13 year old girls and saying like, hey, sexy. But at that age, I did, did not have the understanding to see the risk in it. And I think that that's you know, what comes out of the studies that youth cannot identify risk. And that is you know, a biological phenomena that adolescents are risk um, adverse and that we, they need to be, otherwise we would have made it within our own tribes if we weren't gonna engage in risk-taking behavior and, and meet other people and explore and go outwards and try to develop our own identities. So, and it also shows, you know, research shows that you are more likely to engage in risk-taking behavior when you have access to these things on the internet. You're more likely to have STIs, younger pregnancies. I saw a study that shows that if you text over, send over a hundred texts a day, you're more likely to have um, a large amount of sexual partners. People these days are getting, you know, less Wait, committed. What was that? Yeah. If you text more than a hundred times a day, you have you're more, more li likely to have sexual partners. So you're more likely to have <laughs> penetrative sex. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's because you're just like um, I saw a, um, this a video of this guy. At, um, well, it was the show I'm watching Below Deck, and one of the crews really sleazy, and he's always trying to get laid. And he was like, "Well, you know, if you hit on fifty women a night, by law of average, at least one of them is gonna like fuck you." <laughs> so, which I think is, you know, if you're messaging a hundred women by law of average, maybe one will respond and be down to fuck. So, if, if what you want yeah. to do is just get laid, if that's what you're in for. Yeah, that, yeah, there's. That's the strategy that a lot of men will uh, participate in. Exactly. But then when the research is done, so this, that, that kind of research is us collecting data on youth or researchers collecting data on youth. But when actual youth surveys are done on youth and hearing their perspective, they don't see, they, they can recognize the detriments. Yes, I have lower self-esteem because of this, whatever. But the payoff is way higher than the risk to them and a lot of them will say in regard to the, you know that risk taking or sexualized behavior that the opposite of this research so research versus the surveys showed totally different things so what is the actual right because the surveys show i've got my sexual education from TikTok. a lot of teenagers may get sexual education from your my podcast that, that you know they wouldn't have had access mm. to previously or whatever um and they would say things like um they wouldn't have used a condom if they hadn't watched Riverdale or something where they, you know, they show a girl getting pregnant. So these kind of contexts are really, really important for young people. Another interesting point though, as well, was that when we put these videos up, especially on TikTok and Instagram and social media of, you know, even like teen pregnancies or like, I, oh, I fucked this guy on the weekend, those kind of videos. We're romanticizing the situation, idolizing it with speaking about it humorously that we don't, they're not actually getting a whole picture of the risks of it, um, the downside of it, because, you know, a lot of people go through their trauma with um, humor, like I do. When something shit happens to me, I'm like, oh, it's so crazy, like this happened to me, whatever. Mm. Um, so we don't actually get that kind of side of it where people are like be really careful because this is my story and this is what happens usually it's just like oh well <laughs> like that girl that makes that um 
there's a video gone viral saying happy fourth anniversary to when I got a UTI um, because I fucked a guy in a swamp. <laughs> like it's funny, um, right, right. but the exposure to that actually takes away the risk because they're like, well, everyone's doing it. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm reading this book at the moment called there's Dopamine. A, a, yeah. It's, I just want to jump in really quickly there, but there's a, there's a difference between, well, it's a, it's a fine line and it's almost a ethical tightrope to juggle normalizing a certain behavior and then still addressing the safety concerns of that mm. behavior and trying to prevent it. And that goes with something like mental health as well. We want to normalize certain mental health conditions, but we also want to prevent them and help palliate those symptoms and hopefully even cure people if it's possible to be cured. Now, by saying that, you are going to make some people feel bad and that mm goes against normalizing whatever it may be. And I guess my whole uh, argument in this podcast has been there are trade-offs to all of these things. And there isn't this utopian world where we can normalize everything and, and sort of allow people to have this infinite liberation to do as they please without any judgment or consequences without um, changing fundamentally changing society and seeing things like uh increases in uh negative mental health outcomes for young girls and i think a, a really serious conversation actually needs to be had about well what feels good for the individual person versus what is actually the best especially for, for our youth yeah, yeah. and now I, that's a, that is a conservative argument to make but i'd mm. be very interested to see discussions say between more progressive and conservative women. Now, I, I always think everyone should have a seat at the table in any of these discussions, but when a man has those sorts of opinions, it's just so, you know, immediately assumed that, uh, you know, this is this is sexist and, and there's an element of control and maybe some sort of um, uh, indirect dominance occurring here. But if, because if, there's, there's thousands, millions, maybe even billions of conservative women who probably do also think, hey, 15-year-old girls shouldn't be um, exposing themselves like that and, you know, they, they, uh, we shouldn't be having this kind of hypersexualized society. And I think we need to help uh, amplify those voices because in many ways they're also sometimes um, uh, scorned by uh, uh, more progressive women who say things like, oh, you have internalized misogyny. And, you know, they, they, there's a certain truth to that. There could be a lot of women who are just essentially pick me girls uh, that are saying those things because maybe they have been unfortunately indoctrinated by uh, a controlling husband but there are also are a lot of uh, right-leaning conservative women who've just come to those conclusions organically and yeah uh, I sure. think uh, I, yeah I would, I would love to see more d discussions and debate you know not just between a, a man and and a, a progressive woman and it always divulges into some sort of yelling match but you know, a centre-right and a centre-left uh, adult, uh, two, a centre-right and a centre-left adult female who can sort of respectfully engage with each other. And I think that'll go a long way to, mm. to solving some of it. And, and similarly, a centre-right and a centre-left uh, uh, gay man. And, and I think we can learn a lot more mm. from that. Now, I'm always sort of decrying identity politics and now I'm saying, look, here's an instance where, you know, identity politics would be apt. But I'm only saying that because... So many people 
and I, I'm not part of this group, but so many people will immediately dismiss uh, certain opinions when it come when it's a certain topic, and it's espoused by a certain identity group. So I think mm. to sort of uh, minimize and mitigate against that immediate dismissal, we might actually have to uh, uh, amplify people from certain I- identity groups, which is. Mm. A bit of a contradiction there don't get me wrong but i think in this climate that's the only option we maybe have but i did interrupt you there so uh go on with what no, you were you're talking totally about. right i totally um like wholeheartedly agree with you that we do need more people to speak about and we mean we need to understand more perspectives on it because we do get defensive of it like we do say i am a woman and i have the right to wear this or i have the right to do this but what like I definitely fall into that category and I need to be able to sit across another woman that is saying actually, you know, wearing, not exposing your shoulders as you are right now is, you know, what I would consider to be self-worth or something like that or risk mitigating because, you know, but then on the other side, it should, it would be like, well, you know, I can walk into a room full of women and, and gay men in a bikini and feel completely safe. I walk into a room in a bikini with just straight men and I'm instantly feeling unsafe. So is the issue me or is it this group? Um, but obviously people get really, really defensive of that as well, especially men. (laughs) Um, and I can see why, because not all men, whatever. So it is really understanding all perspectives, but agreeing that, people can live the way they want to when it's not harming others. And do I, as a 26 year old woman, have responsibility to dress a certain way, act a certain way on the internet in order to have a more positive influence on the youth? Because I don't dress that, I don't think I dress that provocatively on Instagram or anything. Um, It's usually, dog a farm and my boyfriend um but then again you listen to this podcast how much have i talked about my own sexual experiences and things like that from my youth and and from prison and things like that that may be considered to be really um who knows what girl will be listening to that being like yeah that that woman looks empowered i'm gonna do that so it is really how we influence each other can be challenging um and what i was Mm. gonna say about this book i'm reading dopamine nation was she was um saying that first of all studies from adults in 2008 compared to 2018 so 10 years different show a drastic decrease in happiness and what happened in 2008 the iphone was released so that was when we started accessing social media on our in our hand at all points rather than just when we got on the computer and you know after school after work so it kind of this influence on society is not just impacting our youth it's impacting everyone and our rates of happiness which is really sad but also interesting and one of the other things that she talks about so she is like a a specialist in um addiction and she was talking about how she works with um a man who has a sex addiction and he would talk about how he would go take everything had to be taken one step further and then he ended up getting into i can't remember what the actual fetish is called but basically you like to feel electrical currents on your genitals and it brings you to orgasm so he was like making all these contractions at home he had like a um i don't know there's lots of details i probably shouldn't go into it but he's 
wrapping some electrical wire around his penis to bring him to orgasm. Then he needs more. Then he needs more and more and more and things like that. And then he starts going into these communities and he's watching, he's straight, but he's watching other men doing it at the same time. And they're getting off on to each other. And then other people are like, and get this wire clipper and put it on your foreskin. So he's then he's doing that and all mm. these like escalations. And the author says, and also, you know, she's a psychiatrist. She said that none of this would have happened 10, 15 years ago because we wouldn't have the same access to find this information now. You'd have to go into the mm. deep, dark web of the internet to find it, which most people don't. Like, I've never been on the deep, dark web because I can't be bothered, but I can find all that shit on TikTok now. And and people are being like, it's fine. Yeah, it's so fun. and be normalized. Like, anything you would find curious. Um you can watch and access 10 times more than you used to. And it's the exact same with porn um, where, you know, oh, yeah. the, the way that porn has changed from the seventies is insane. In the seventies, like I, when I studied sexology, we had to watch heaps of porn, um, <laughs> like a lot together Wait, and then analyze the 70s it. When you studied. No, but a lot of the porn study. we were shown was from the seventies oh, okay. to show yeah. the difference. And in the seventies, it was all like, love and she's standing by the bus and he's over there and there's pubic hair and afros and they just like have this like fun sex kind of thing and then it yes. shows porn from now and you go through it's like teenagers choking um milfs <laughs> um really in, and that's that's the step siblings stepbrothers and that's like the simple vanilla the step, that step sibling thing just as a side note yeah that i swear like two three years ago out of nowhere, the whole homepage of Pornhub was just stepbrother this, stepsister that. The trends. Where the hell did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a gradual ease into that. No, suddenly Do you know all what I... over Pornhub was just step-sibling. I actually have a theory what about the this. So have you ever heard of Wattpad? No, Wattpad, no. It's like this book, and it's become popular again, but it was really not a book it's a website sorry <laughs> when mm. it was really popular when i was like 14 and basically youth would write like a book and put it up and you okay. upload one chapter at a time and it had millions and it still does millions of people read these books nowadays people that have um successful books books will um get them published and they'll be sold at Dimmicks. Like it's pretty like a big thing. And so it's wow. basically anyone that has an interest in writing, you have to pay for a publisher. You, don't, you just put it online, but it's free for anyone to read. Anyway, when I was, you know, 14 and everyone writing was also teenagers, um, every single plot, every single plot of the romance books was step-sibling, like, I'm a girl, I'm only 15 and he's 16. Every single plot was about it and everyone was all obsessed with it. And then I feel like, okay, oh. that was 10 years ago. So now all these people are in their late 20s. They're producing the porn that was like the most um, popular back then. That's my theory. But it's, um, it's a way to kind of feel, it does, I'd assume, you know, because it's not strict biological incest, uh, yeah. but it feels naughty because, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, that's so, it. That's that, it. There's always that dynamic, which is like... Allure comes from, yeah. That's always the plot of any like erotica or novel or romance where it's someone that you shouldn't be with or can't be with, but then you do. It's also interesting to uh, hear a lot of the perspectives of uh, older people on, on porn and, and sort of compare that to my experience as someone who, yeah, I started watching porn very young and mm. I 
you know, for most of my teen years, I was watching it basically every day. And, you know, it wasn't good. But, look, I was a teenage boy and <laughs> you know, it was an escape. That's what they all do. Um, yeah. Exactly. They, yeah, everyone does that now. So mm. I've never – I was talking to my male friend about this a couple of months ago. There's a lot of uh, talk about how, you know, porn is really degrading to, to women and, you know, the, the expectations that come out of it uh, are unrealistic and also uh, dangerous. But we were t- chatting and, and every time we've, you know, escalated the sexual situation and, and as far as we can tell, at least, neither of us have, have we've always been... I at least try to be very uh, respectful about it, even if you are, you know, escalating a sexual situation into something a bit Mm. steamier, if you will. But every time it has gotten to that, what you could call rough sex phase, which would include things like choking or hair pulling or uh, dirty talk, we've never, I think once a girl has said, no, I'm not actually into that. And then immediately I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll mm. stop doing it. But every other female that we'd both been with has enjoyed that, at least by what we can see. Now, I, there's an argument. I don't know if the girl is doing it to appease the man or, mm. you know, that she feels pressured to do it. But it certainly seems like from, you know, non-direct <laughs> verbal cues, it seems like they're enjoying it. But again, maybe men don't actually, you know, aren't in tune um, with the female psyche as much as we like to think. But uh, all of those uh, sort of behaviours that I get the feeling uh, people from older generations would consider dangerous and uh, a byproduct of uh, excessive pornography have been enjoyed by all the sexual partner, well, by the vast majority of sexual partners I've had and, and this other guy has had. and Yeah, uh, I, I get what you mean. and you, Yeah. You, it, it's true in some parts, in a lot of parts, it's very true. And, that, you know, it's same with men being normalized. Women have, been, women have been normalized for that as well. But you'd be really interested to see, like, the surveys that come out from teenage mm. girls. Not, not that you're having sex with teenage girls, but they say, I will take a slap to the face because I learn from porn that I should enjoy okay. it rather yeah. than actually enjoying it. Um, so there is so, so, so much research that talks about the detrimental impact that violent, even just light choking types of pornography has on your perception of relationships, your ability to maintain a route, all these things. I know a guy, he, we, mm. him and I are really good friends. He's he's the funniest, nicest guy. Everyone would call, like he's kind of like a, the equivalent of a mama bear, like looks after everyone, gets the group out. Anyway, the context isn't that relevant, I guess. <laughs> a papa okay. bear? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, um, he's lovely. And he came to me and was saying that... Um, he was really into, we we're talking about porn and he's saying he was really into like choking and things like that. And I was like, yeah, cool. Good for you, bro. And, um, I didn't say bro, just disclaimer. I don't know how that just slipped out, <laughs> but right. anyway, I was like, good for you. And then a couple of weeks later, cause actually when, um, I had, was talking to him about it, he had lost his virginity at 19 and we're the same age, but he uh-huh. hadn't had that many sexual experiences since, um, he'd been, I think with two women and, 
Then a couple months later, I saw him and he was telling me now he's on Tinder, he's dating, he's just found out he's good looking because he didn't know um, that he was, as happens with some people, basically, okay. where he, he'd never attempted to pull women, basically. And then he's okay. found out like his group, he found his like method and women, he's going on all these dates and he's telling me about them, sending me photos of these girls, talking about what they did. And then he told me a couple months later, he's like, I can't can't now have sex with a girl unless like I'm literally really hurting her um I can't get aroused and he's like I feel sick like I, this is I'm the biggest feminist I basically hadn't had sex ever before right. you know the last six months and now I need to either be choking her or she needs to be like degrading me massively telling me I'm like a fucking loser um, in order for me to get off. So, oh, so it goes both ways. Hey? Yeah. Uh, so That's it's interesting. Really? And he's, he watched a lot of porn, a lot of porn. And I said, what genre? And it was only that. Um, and I've talked as well okay. about this, yeah. um, this situation that I, I had gone on a date with someone and he gave me a kiss. And the kiss we had was like, Literally lasted 1.5 seconds. So we hadn't like got sensual or that intimate yet. Just a kiss, first ever kiss, and then straight away smacked me across the face. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, what's oh, just yeah, happened? I think you have me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was another military man, by yeah, the way, cat boy. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Well, and he was like, I thought you'd like that. And I was like, well... <laughs> Maybe like wait more than two seconds until your first kiss before you just slap someone. And maybe also like He's try to it. gauge that if they would <laughs> yeah. be into it. Like don't risk it. Um, so, yeah. So that's the guy on the front lines. So <laughs> I he, know. He, it. he goes all out. He goes for it. <laughs> um, well, if you're having... Casual sex is in many ways like a drug, right? And it's fun. Yeah. And it's in, in the same way, I would sort of say a moderate use of some drugs, not ice, but say marijuana, uh, is fun. And if you have the discipline to keep it moderate, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But like with any addiction, it can, um, it can become excessive. And casual sex and, and Tinder is a lot like that, where if you're sleeping with someone every, I don't know, some, some people even every day, well, you're going to need something more to, to get mm. you off each time. And maybe what your friend needs is a, is a detox. Yeah. And to, to try and just like cut back on how much porn he's watching, how much sex he's having, and just really cleanse exactly. his uh, dopamine receptors. Because he's anti-porn now. He doesn't watch any of it. And he said that every issue he had regarding yeah. intimacy has been reversed since he quit porn. Anyway, watch our, watch our episode yeah. on porn if you haven't yeah. already. I have, I've been, look, in lockdown, I, I will admit, I, I know I always preach it, like, don't watch it, but look, uh, it's, it's just, it's You've still, a, a, it's a temptation. A yeah. 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 I slipped back a little bit, not too bad, not, not compared to what it was when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, That's okay. But yeah, look, there's nothing, again, it's like drinking, it's like... Uh, Overeating. Anything, you go yeah. It's, look, yeah. yeah, you can, once a week, if you have a few beers, cool. You know, yeah, sure, it'll have a little bit of an impact on your physical health, but the mental benefit I think you get from that, you could make an argument that overall for your health, yeah. it could even be better if you're socializing, mm. even if you have one cigarette a week, uh, mm. that probably won't uh, cause lung cancer. I mean, it does increase, every cigarette does actually increase the risk, but look, you're, you're not in a high risk category if mm. you're going to have 
one cigarette a week. Now, if it becomes a packet a day, you're in a huge risk category. So mm. similar, it's no different to porn, exactly. right? I think, I think you should just try to cut it out. I mean, I have, I, 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 I swear by that, and I don't always live up to it, but I think that's you've what done you good overall, for. though. You've done very well. Right. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I feel like I'm like a primary school yeah. teacher. <laughs> really good job, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> you did Can a, I get a gold star. <laughs> I feel like a reward. I'm gonna work some more. Um, but uh, yeah, if you look, if it's if it's if you can keep it at well, I don't know, once a fortnight, that's probably not going to have a huge impact on. I, look, even then, I do think if you are in a long term relationship, it will. It it and I am in one. And look, I don't. I, I it's just too. It, you know, it's just too tempting. You know, <laughs> you're working at home and it's just there. But yeah, I'm still trying not to. I I, I don't want to. In fact, um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Look, if you are going to watch it, at least try and sort of, if you have an addictive personality, uh, then it might be something to try and get under control. And you don't need to take drastic measures. You don't need to, if you are watching it two or three times a day, you don't need to suddenly say, all right, from tomorrow, nothing. Ease out of it. Very gradually ease out of it. That, I think, is always the best strategy with anything, with any sort well, of yeah, and if you vice find or addiction. That it's like a, an addictive, yeah, vice or addictive, like you said, the best way to kind of come through that is understanding what need is this fulfilling for me. And a lot mm. of it, especially with self-pleasure, is is um, a self-soothing type of um, yeah, behavior or boredom. Yeah. Or like it, yeah, like this is how I, this is a coping mechanism, basically. Orgasms relieve a lot of endorphins and dopamine and, and all those good hormones that make us feel good. So we want more of it. So um, understanding that as well, like the same with anything. If you're, if you're overweight or if you're taking drugs, what is that? What is this need fulfilling for me? Mm. Mm. It's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, we have to uh, cover his, his, uh, lighter question here which was sorry for the heavy topic on a lighter side have you got any relationship advice for me i've never been in any kind of relationship before and now i'm excited to finally have the ability to be gay and cute with someone that's that's cute i love the idea of being in in being the cutesy energetic waifu in the relationship (laughs) it's a good mentality to have it's already um good start well look first relationship i guess just learn just um don't put too much pressure on it don't put too much pressure on yourself and wait was he asking advice for his first or was it for if he's going out to date like what it just says have you got any relationship advice for me yeah because he said he met someone maybe he's playing the field a little bit maybe he's just oh wait didn't he say hang on i thought he's yeah oh wait where did i get that i'm currently until yeah until last week i was single but i managed to start something with someone on base through Tinder, and we moved to Discord. Ah. So, so he's got a he's got a Discord relationship. Going. Um, Catboy, let us know where you're up to now. Now that it's been a couple of weeks since then, but you know, I think that the fun stuff aside, I don't know how much of those, but I do know they're still there. I guess I don't know how prevalent, but those um, stereotypes and and you know. Um, 
risks that come with being on military and being gay so just make sure that you're taking safety precautions because a lot of people might not want to be uh, um, identified as gay might not, might not want to be openly gay so just be really careful um, and protect yourself about that not so much for you but if someone else is like I don't want to be out or outed mm. um, and you were uh, and I wouldn't usually give that advice but unfortunately stereotypes do come along with that um, military lifestyle so be careful catboy um, but you sound playful you sound fun and I think that's your that's going to be your really appealing side to you and people are going to be really drawn to that playful nature of yours so work with that I reckon mm. and good luck Don't- in your new relationship yeah, don't use the other person to uh, fulfill uh, any uh, uh, concerns or uh, insecurities that you may have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if, if a relationship has flaws, you always got to look at yourself first and what mm. am I expecting this other person to fulfill within me that I could fulfill myself? So always... Uh, you know, the relationship isn't a be-all and end-all. It can, call, it can create a lot of happiness, but... Um, you also have to be still uh, responsible and accountable for your own happiness to some degree. And we've done so many yeah. podcasts on that. You know, there yeah. is definitely a responsibility that we're going to talk about in the next podcast. Yes. Uh, but I, spe- I think w- when people get into their first relationship, it can be sort of very rosy and very lovey-dovey and romantic and intense and, and intense and yeah yeah and then as soon as it doesn't have that same effect uh it's a catastrophe and and you start blaming the other person yeah. so don't put too much pressure on the relationship itself i think mm. uh i know that's a very broad statement but um see it as a learning curve as well as you know and, and the ability for you to uh, care for someone else and uh, not just look out mm-hmm. for yourself. And that's uh, that can be a really deep call to meaning beyond the self that mm-hmm. many people may be lacking in today's society. So yep. learn your learn your attachment style and yeah, how that may impact one. your relationship and learn your communication style and figure out if that's helpful or not helpful. And if it's not helpful, change it. <laughs> For the love mm. of God and for Attachment everyone. Attachment theory workbook. Yeah. That's a, that's a great one. That's, mm. you know, hundred and something pages. You can do it in two, three hours. I, I swear by that one. A really, really, really good book. There you go. Hope you yeah. can order books on base. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Let's do it online. It? <laughs> yeah. I think I go. did it online. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, any concluding remarks on uh, uh, sexualization? On, on TikTok, on Femboy TikTok, uh, and what we've spoken about? Yeah, I think like just, you know, basically anything that from research shows the best way to overcome this or to reduce it is parental monitoring. Um, so if you're a parent, watch your children and watch their use on the internet. Um, if you're a child, listen to adults. And I totally understand you don't want to, but listen to adults when they say or trying to explain to you the risks of it and understanding the risks. Um, And if you're anywhere in between and you're trying to just understand like why the fuck are kids doing this, just realize it's very, very normal behavior and typical of any age and generation with, with any time in place for an adolescent to want to express their sexuality and develop their sexual identity. But just the, the thing is, is that now everyone can see it. 
whereas we didn't. We've all mm. been doing it all along, but now everyone can see it. So um, don't put so much blame and hatred because unfortunately it's been normalized. If, if everyone can see me doing it, then everyone can see you doing it. So it's all, mm. it's all they're all in the same boat, all Absolutely. the teams, yeah. Yeah, respect the the wisdom of the uh, of of your elders, even if you may not understand it, and it may feel restrictive and and controlling. Uh, I know a lot of even when I was a teenager, I'd just think about some of the things that my parents or just uh, older people around me were telling me to do, and I thought, oh, they're stupid and they're uninformed, and no, <laughs> they've mm. lived a, 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 mm. a lot more on this planet than than you have, so. They know a thing or two about yeah. the, the right path. Um, not all of them do, but the the general collective wisdom of people older than you is something to respect. It's not something to uh, uh, you know be obeisant towards and and never question, but it's something to respect. And just spend less time on the internet because <laughs> the average amount for like 10 to 18 year olds currently is eight hours a day. So, and that's Whoa. average. Like most of the kids I work with say oh, it's 12, 13 hours. So that's In pretty scary. Years, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're watching this podcast. Physical. Yeah. Stay on the internet yeah. for this podcast. Watch the podcast. It's educational. But other, but other than that, don't. Yeah. Well, my videos you can watch, but that's it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. See you next week.